Movies by Minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time, that's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Best saddle up now, kids, cause here we go. Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. For this episode, as for every episode in my little stint here as host, I am joined by the amazing hosts of Bat Minute Mask of the Phantasm, John and Niall. <laughs> you got a posse together. Howdy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, anyway, you've, we haven't announced that it might might be Mask of the Phantasm coming. Okay. It's a mystery. That's yes. Abs- yeah, that as was mysterious as the Phantasm yeah. themselves. It's one of the worst kept nice. secrets in podcasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I purely did that as a way to uh, to push it and make it happen. You know, <laughs> I've been visualizing and making a deal with the universe. You know, I'm like I'm like Noel Edmonds in that respect. I, I mean, you are often described as podcasting's Noel Edmonds. <laughs> when people ask me, they're like, what's that Austin Pryor guy like? I'm like, well, you know, he's okay. He's a bit like Noel Edmonds, actually. He has a crinkly bottom. <laughs> that nice. joke will make sense to 1% of listeners. 1%. 1%. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, people listening to Silverado Minute will might not be the type who will know who Noel Edmonds is, nor what crinkly bottom is in yeah. Well, as Johnny Vegas would say, that's a local reference, and I'm not changing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another reference people won't get. So we've got uh, Minute 3 here, and Minute 3 is where things start to open up. This is the minute where, after the explosive violence, Violence of minute two, we start to slow down again, and we finally see outside of this uh, little shack. Yeah, I just loved how the world opens up uh, oh, in yeah. this minute. We have this shot where we follow Emmett out to where he opens the door. It's almost like you know the way um, modern filmmaking is kind of playing around with aspect ratios a lot, so it changes yeah. during it because the door is kind of holding us in like a four-three ratio for a little bit, and then we go wider and wider, and the whole you know the the beautiful sweeping landscape opens up, and we're and we're suddenly kind of realize how widescreen we are, and then Silverado comes up on the screen, and it's just. Gorgeous. I love how slowly it does that. Mm, it really makes mm. you it, it like appreciate it. It's almost romantic. Well, it is romanticizing yeah. the West, isn't it? That's essentially what this movie is. It's, oh, it's one absolutely. of those things like it's um, it's the cliche thing to say now, particularly in our section of podcasting, John, because people always say it about Gotham City. Yeah, but it's Gotham like, City it's like is like a character in the yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like the yeah. West itself is the, the landscape is another. It really thing. is yeah. though, isn't it? Like it captures it so well. And you know what? I think all of these kind of movies need a shot like this, like a vista kind of situation, because this uh, is not something you see in England. We don't no. have yeah. terrain like that. Like here, we have stuff everywhere yeah <laughs> i can't even imagine i mean we might have a forest that's about the mm. but that's full of stuff we don't have a, yeah. cent, um, a, a piece of scenery like this it's like the stuff that doesn't have stuff is just muddy yeah so that's the yeah <laughs> and if, look as grand and if this and if that continent was not so beautiful 
we wouldn't have the kind of legends of the West that yeah. we have. You know what I mean? The westward expansion. I mean, apart from the fact that you know, obviously, this is all this is all in the name of 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 genocide. This is this is people trampling over people who are already there and and have already been working in tune with with nature for. Unfortunately, for they weren't deemed as people, though, were they? That's the exactly problem. exactly, and that and that's you know. That that spectre haunts all of this, and that's just n- impossible to get away from. But for a lot of normal, decent uh, people who couldn't see that and just really thought that this land was was kind of unspoiled, you can you can see. I mean, obviously, you 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 see vast landscapes with no human there, so you can. You, you can really see how people saw that this was a new unspoiled world that, that yeah. we could explore and, and, and um, settle in and everything. I get and the I appeal just, of it instantly. Like, absolutely. Um, imagine, think about England at the time. Yeah. Think about London. London, grey <laughs> sewage smell. You could go from yeah. London to this. I, I, I mean, I know I'm not a, I'm not a, a masculine uh, person who can do yeah. all handsy stuff, but I, I see the appeal <laughs> at the time when people were. It's like, I can go there and and kind yes. of just do what I want with it. I can reason. go there and explore my rugged individualism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's yeah. that's got a romantic aspect to it. I, yeah, I can see the why yeah, you would if, want to leave behind your crappy country. And yeah, and if you saw this and you would just be like, you know, the, you, phrases like God's own country, you know, the, this idea of, of westward expansion is so romantic and so full of that. And if you just put yourself in the head of somebody who's never seen these yeah. images before, it, it, it is creating a whole, it's, the, it's that next generation of artists and poets and writers who are going to be inspired by this. And, and that's how it ends up in legend. Yeah. So making a spaghetti Western and not celebrating that landscape is like by that stage of the spaghetti western the 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 genre and all its various features and tropes were so well established that you could play with them and you could you could transplant it and tell this western type of story in you know a desert in Italy but yeah. it's it's still not that ain't it you know what i mean we love the spaghetti westerns but we know they're not it yeah the other thing that occurred to me is that like i i just think like when i was growing up and my dad used to say oh i love that film there's great landscapes you can just see all the landscapes like mm. who cares about landscapes and <laughs> i probably and thought now, the same yeah <laughs> yeah and and now on my like new telly with the amazing you know high dynamic range yeah. and all that and i'm just like Give me landscapes. Well, I'm lucky <laughs> in that I didn't watch Lawrence of Arabia until I was yes. 30. Yeah, yeah, same So here. I appreciated it. Whereas if I saw that when I was like 15, I'd be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> That's about one of my dad's real obsessions when he is watching Westerns. It's like always trying to t- tell us, like, is that shot inside or is that mm. shot outside? Ah. Yeah. He's always really impressed when it's done outdoors and you can actually appreciate the scenery. You can feel yeah. it. There's a difference in the air. Yeah, but it's... every time it's like something's like, that's clearly shot inside. I mean, come on. With like, a, did, a big he, wall Every hanging. time he has to point yeah. it out. Now. I, yeah, I think yeah. you, there's there's like a, a spiritual sort of presence when they are actually outside in this yeah. kind of terrain. I don't know, it adds yeah. something. You can feel it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I was wondering, too, like, I don't know. Um, there's the, the way, the, the whole framing of uh, Emmett walking out into this, you know, the, the grand, uh, you know, the grand blue yonder yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that shot, like, I don't know if you guys, like, know sort of classic Western 
scenes. But does it remind you of anything in particular? Because it really shook out to me. It's like, is this a direct reference Ooh, to something? I'm not too okay. well-versed. So. Well, the Kasdans are definitely, you know, Westerns literate. So I, I dare say if it feels like a reference to you that it is. What is, yeah. what is it? Well, there's the uh, one of the sort of one of the most acclaimed ending scenes of of all time is from John Ford's The Searchers. Oh yeah, mm. uh, and that ends when uh, spoilers for the end of The Searchers, John Wayne brings back Natalie Wood to the to the family, and because uh, his character's supposed to be so completely detached and he's just been out into the terrain by himself for too long, he can't you know adhere to domestic life anymore. Yes, yeah. And there's a shot of them all walking into the cabin. And it's framed in complete blackness, Ooh. and it's just the door, and it's John Wayne standing by himself, and then he wanders out of shot back into the wilderness. Great. And this is kind of like a reverse of that shot, where it's like him walking back out into the wilderness and showing you the grandeur of the West. Ah, or is that supposed to be sort of yes. more of a reflective tragedy of like this guy is just stuck out there, he can never be with his family again and stuff like that. But uh, really, because that's such a famous shot, though, the way this is framed really reminded mm. me of it, and mm. I wouldn't be surprised if like, well, this is a you know, it's a postmodern, grand, traditional Western. Yeah, yeah. If that were to be a thing, and yeah, we're we're opening the movie with like a kind of reference to one of the great ending shots. Yeah, they're of, like uh, returning the beauty to the West that that took well, away as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. I, you know, obviously, we we I don't know if it can be confirmed uh, if if Kazan has ever mentioned it, but um, from what. From the way he talks about the film, as you say, you know, traditional and postmodernist at the same time, that he's, that he's like, yeah, he's inverting something, you know. So you take, you know, he was saying that he plays around with the existing material in in interesting and fun ways, and and this would be this would clearly fall into that category, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, let me get into like the the cast list. Yeah, and um, I was very shocked as well to see. Uh, Kevin Klein is put ahead of Scott Glenn. We've spent this all this time with yes. Scott Glenn, and then Kevin Klein is like, "Oh, get out of the way, buddy! This is my and movie." As good as he is, he's no Scott Glenn. Well, that's the thing too. Because I was even kind of thinking, like, was Kevin Klein even like the bigger star at this point? Yeah, it doesn't like, seem like he would be. Uh, it's mm. a very odd choice. Like, I that's just alphabetical. There's no chance of that. No, it's not because then John uh, Cleese comes after Cleese, that. So. Yeah, I've I've always. I always kind of when when this comes up, I always just kind of throw up my hands of like what what is the order of the billing? And I'm just imagining, you know, phone calls of agents shouting at other. That's agents what it is, people, you know. Yeah, yeah, and just like, and I also think a lot of actors would just be like, ah, oh, whatever, put me wherever. I just want to be in the movie, and you know, you know, yeah. I, I can imagine so some it, people. Yeah, at this point, like Kevin Klein was like big movies he had been in, Sophie's Choice, oh, yeah, and The Big Chill. Okay, and then you know Scott Glenn's in like Apocalypse Now and uh, like right. Personal Best. He's in like he's in far far more. Who did the big uh, chill yeah. though? Didn't we? That was Lawrence Kasdan. That's well. what I was thinking. Yeah. So maybe it's like a favor. Like yeah. I know yeah. you. He's like, I wanted William Hurt and I couldn't get him. <laughs> Stupid Scott Glenn. I hate him so much. I put him second. <laughs> I'll tell you what as well because um, I was messaging Niall as I said, saying how good the the intro was. Yeah. I missed John Cleese's name. So yeah. when he popped up in the movie, I lost my right. damn yeah. mind. Yeah. I was like, what? what the- <laughs> it is insane that John Cleese is in this movie, and still, I love it. It's still so odd, because yeah. it just seems like, oh, maybe like, this, this this time in the 80s, he, he flirted with being like a Hollywood star. Yeah. 
And now it's like, John Cleese is in a, a Western with, like, yeah. Kevin Costner and stuff? What? It was crazy. And he's he's great in it. He's amazing because he's, like, he's he's definitely still John Cleese, but he's not, like, playing it up. He's not, like, you know, he's just got those lines. Don't push your luck, Carter. You know, but he's not, like, don't push your luck, Carter. He's not doing, yeah. like, a big Basil Faulty or anything <laughs> like, he's, like that. He's yeah. amusing, but he's not being a comedian. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's toning it down, but he still, he has great presence and he feels real and he feels, like, the fact that he's, you know, not from around these parts, as he says. First of all, that was the first thing. It was like, oh, thank God he's not trying to do the accents. Uh, yeah, that would be as bad as when I do. So it's fine. Yeah, well, because we've all heard, you know, various accents performed by various <laughs> members of Monty Python's Flying Circus over the years. And it's just like, yeah. They work uh, for comedy. <laughs> exactly. You know, you you probably don't want them in a in a movie that's trying to feel so I have to, I have to say, too, he's... I have to say as well, like I was actually saying to John, he's looking like the cowboy hat and the beard, yeah. doing a lot for him yeah, too. Totally. Like he looks well in this movie. <laughs> like you would. Once, he's not, once you can't see the the the, the thinning comb over that he <laughs> yeah. usually has. Oh, yeah, well, you yeah. do later on. Spoiler alert: the hat comes oh, off. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like we close up. It's like, oh yeah, John Cleese is like, oh man, he's looking pretty. Like he's like handsome looking mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I never thought that way about John Cleese before, <laughs> but here it is. <laughs> you're, you're just sitting there at home going, John. Oh, I never thought yeah. of you this way before. Oh, stop it. <laughs> People always say that about me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> he has a. a um, I, I know this is technically a later minute, but whatever. He yeah, has but- a very commanding presence as well. There's something about him that's a little bit, even though he's well spoken and he's calm. Uh-huh. He's got that. You're a little scared of him. Yeah, he's got. He's power. very, very tall. Like that's, <laughs> that does yes. help. He's a very intimidating. Yeah. Like every time you see him in any of the Python sketches and stuff, and even that one he used to do with um, the class yes. sketch, yeah, where he was like towering over Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, he is like a big dude. Like if you if you ran into John Cleese in an alley, yeah. particularly back then, <laughs> you probably would be like, okay, whoa, <laughs> back off. Buddy. Yeah. Plus, he spent you know decades playing stern authoritarian um, people who who would lose their cool at the drop of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Like if you saw Basil Faulty beating that car in real life, you would probably run away because you're like, this guy is a psycho. You would. He might be scared. Kill me. You would. You would. He's scary in this. And uh, so John Cleese's name appears on screen at the end of this minute. So that justifies us talking about him. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, so the I wanted to talk about the music <gasps> in this minute because it actually, we didn't have time to talk about it in last minute because there's so much yeah. else going on. The music kicks in at the end of last minute. And I don't know about you, maybe just with the Kasdan connection, <gasps> I had I had uh, Empire Strikes Back on the brain. Yes, but I yes. really felt like Dagobah, that, that music. And I didn't check the music for Dagobah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll look at it into it later. But it just... Just in the feel of it, it felt quite John Williams. It felt very Star Wars, and I just got chills down my down my yep. spine when you know after because there was no music during the uh, action. It was all just you know stark noise and silence, noise and silence. I thought the music and the whole thing was very John Williams. The the whole yeah. movie. I actually thought, is this John Williams? I have to go and yeah. look it up. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, I think it's to do with um, common influence, of course, mm. because if you're if you're talking about you know film score, film is scored in the kind of tradition of like Bernard Herrmann. Yeah, is the guy who brought these classical influences into cinema scoring, and yeah, Bernard Herrmann, Bernard Herrmann, whichever there seems to be regional variations there, but um, that 
that like so they would both be influenced by by him um but that of course herman's big influences were the, like the late classical you know the romantic era composers like like um tchaikovsky and and um um stravinsky and yeah. um so those like influences carry, carry really heavily for john williams but there's one composer that if you're talking about westward expansion and the iconography and images of the west that you have to bring up and that's aaron copeland oh so yeah. i don't know if you two are familiar at all um i've I've never really been that into his stuff. It's kind of, it can come across as very maudlin and very kind of, um, uh, I don't know, sickly sweet and, and, and very kind of over the top. <laughs> I get but that. like, but I, 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 I think when you put it with these images, it works so well. So um, there's a famous Aaron Copeland, his, his most famous uh, piece is called Fanfare for the Common Man. So that, that premiered in, in 1943. And, this has i just got that feeling of aaron copeland when i was when not in the very in the in the very start where it's empire strikes backsy type music then once we go out and we've expanded into that big widescreen shot and then the silverado theme comes in and it really is i just go now as you listen to this dear listener and pick, pick out fanfare for the common man on um uh, youtube or whatever and you'll hear it you know what i mean and it, it really sounds like it and it's i think it's a direct reference i think he's doing it on purpose you know Ooh, that's the first thing i'm gonna do after this recording I yeah am gonna because go and it even to has it has the same intervals and it's played on you know that same kind of uh horn so it's like yeah it's it's uh I, yeah, I, I I love it, and I don't. I'm not a huge fan of Copeland, but I I love it here with this, and the, it just it evokes that period so much, and it evoke it evokes the mythological version of the period, not necessarily oh, yeah. the real one. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a, it's like a you're reading a book about it, like a, a tale yeah. written yeah. at the time. Oh, the exactly. the tale yeah. of the cowboy, <laughs> and uh, but the music, like I I think it was the best part of the movie. I really? think all of the music, yeah. I could sit and listen to it. In fact, I have to write an essay as of recording this week for my university course. I'm going to listen to the soundtrack while I write that essay. Oh, lovely. Said, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought you were going to say it now I'll write it about Silverado <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah. I could try and slip um, in a Silverado quote, but it is a fake go. report about the United Nations. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> that was something though. That's like John. This is a mathematics uh, report. Uh, yeah, You're yeah. bringing in here. Like, why are you talking about Silverado? I, I, I'll try. I'll try. But uh, mm. no, I I always listen to film scores when I'm uh, I'm writing essays or studying or whatever. Um, I have a drink. No... I like, get a glass of wine. I put a film yeah. score on and I I write. And um, because there's no lyrics, is it? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. If I put on yeah. a song with lyrics, same here. I get distracted and I start singing along and stuff, and it's like, oh, I'm I, not right. I, yeah. <laughs> the words part of my brain is, you know, yeah. some people kind of have a separate like input output yeah. that you can, they can hear lyrics and output other words yeah, I through can't. their fingers. No. And do uh, my other problem is if I put Star Wars on, <laughs> I just start thinking of the scenes. It's like you, like, you play the whole film yeah. in your head. <laughs> Yeah, I was just gonna say like I had a one of my exes used to be able like she'd sit and study in university and she'd have like like her favorite bands playing. Yeah, no, like, how that's can you not much. be like sitting singing along to the songs and stuff? Yeah. Like, how you? Could, but she was great. She was like a really great student. So she's like, no, oh, it helps me concentrate. It's yeah. like how it's a it's a it's the definition of a distraction. Yeah, to have yeah, like that. But this is the thing: different people work and study and learn different ways, and that's something Absolutely. I think more workplaces need to take on. 
Like、uh, my work, don't let me have music on in like ninety percent of the departments I work in. When I'm in、right. one of the departments because they move us around, I can.、Yeah. Um, okay. But if they let me put my music on, even on headphones, yeah, I would be twice as productive. I was told I was allowed to listen to my radio <laughs> at a reasonable volume. <laughs> I should just say it in that. Yeah, yeah. I should just quote、yeah. that because I burned down the, burned down the building. <laughs> it genuinely would make me. So, so much more productive. I wouldn't sneak off to check my phone, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. got my music on. I'm fine. I'm good.、Yeah. Just leave me alone. I'll work, and, and I won't、yeah. stop until I go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we're talking about the music here, we need to credit the composer Bruce Broughton. And no wonder that John, you enjoyed this so much. You are validated by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science、hey. because he won the Oscar for Best Original Score for this film in the 1986 Oscars. Well deserved. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what he was up,、uh, what else he was up against, but I know that he he has written a lot for TV and film over the years. He he is kind of like he's. You know, career-wise, he's definitely not a top-tier guy. He's not like a Jerry Goldsmith or a John Williams. But like, there's not room for everybody up there. I、no. think he's, you know, he's he's pretty amazing. Obviously,、mm. um, he he composed for like TV series such as Dallas,、uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, and、uh, everything's connected. A series called Oregon Trail. <gasps>、um, <laughs> Which is not connected to the、uh, to the video. Oh, I was going to ask. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, there's like you have died、like、of dysentery. Yeah, yeah. There's like six or seven movies called Oregon Trail,、wow. and there's more than one TV production, and there's like songs and things like that. Because it's just like it's just that period of history.、Yeah. It's just that's what、yeah. it's called, you know.、Yeah. Or just that that it's it's a trail. There's a, there's this trail <laughs> called the Oregon Trail. Yeah, <laughs> and.、Um, But、uh, Brian Broughton, though, he did also do quite an impressive list, though, because I think he did some of the things I was a little bit disappointed in, because one of them was like, "Oh, Hawaii Five O." Yeah, I was like, "Did he write that?" And you look it up, it's like, "No, no, no he didn't." Oh, he did、that. the rest. Yeah, and it's the same a- for it's the same for a couple of other series where you think of this amazing, famous theme tune. It's like, no, he did the underscore you know, in the actual. Yeah, episode, hey, maybe if you、thing. watched it now with that knowledge, though, you'd be like, "Oh, this this underscore is actually really good." Oh no, it's probably amazing,、yeah. but it's just you know when you know the theme、yeah. of something and you go like, oh, did he write that? Nah,、wow. you know. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. He did win like several like Emmys and stuff、mm-hmm. for his work doing underscores for shows like that. Yeah, Dallas. Well, Dallas. Stuff, remember how big Dallas was? Dallas is one of the few shows at the time that came over here. Yeah, yeah. Because、yeah. back then、They、people also... didn't watch a lot of American TV. <laughs> and that and Dynasty. Oh yeah, Di- Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> They also did the music for Moonwalker. Which is like, oh yeah, I guess there was a score to wait, wait, like the, the Michael Jackson task that is, yeah, yeah. You're just like, here's a movie is all about music, kinda, because it's、yeah. just like a showcase for Michael Jackson. <laughs> except also, this other guy had to write, had to write you know, score. <laughs> Jackson the, all, the, all the underscore as well. Yeah, <laughs> and then I, I thought maybe there would have been、uh, some sort of friction then because of, you know people might know that in 1994 there were two. Wyatt Earp movies、yeah. that came out. Yes, one starring Kevin Costner, boo, and the other being Tombstone, of course, with Kurt Russell and Bruce, guy who worked with Lawrence Kasdan, who also directed Wyatt Earp.、Uh, yes. He went and did the music for Tombstone.、Oh. <laughs> so yeah, is direct rival. So rivalry. Yeah. yeah. So I think unless there's any other notes, we'll wrap up、uh, minute three. 
Yes, I'm just, I'm very intrigued. What is this interesting brand on the horse? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we will find out. Actually, we won't find I out. Mean, Someone else will find out. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's the thing, though, John. Like, I was, uh, when I saw that brand, it instantly reminded me <laughs> of uh, the symbols in Owl Cave for Twin Peaks. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Like, I thought it looked familiar. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's carved on the green ring and stuff, and I was just mm. like, ah. The cows are not what they seem. <laughs> <laughs> Killer Bob is in the cow. Well, folks, time for us to circle the wagons and set up camp for the night. Uh, we'll see y'all come sun up. Oh, yeah, by the way, you're, you're all staying here tonight. Ah, what? <laughs> I've got things to do. I'm a busy individual. Get the campfire going, sleeping out under the stars, eating ah, beans. You know what? All mm-hmm. the usual if stuff. If there's beans involved, I'm there. <laughs> if it's that easy to get you if you uh, want me on your uh, podcast just send me beans people who listen to my stint on Watchmen minutes but no I'm the exact opposite I, I know <laughs> I and absolutely it, despise beans. this is something that we just have to agree never to discuss Niall because it'll just put me off you oh yeah. man yeah. he's an anti-beans I, person I will like the podcast has come to close to breaking so many times <laughs> <laughs> I will Rorschach them beans, no problem. <laughs> we can have Niles. That was the scene. Yeah. That was the scene I was talking about, of and course. I was not happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and on the main site, silveradominute.com. Uh, social media-wise, we're available at the Midnight Star Saloon, the Silverado Minute Listeners Group, and on Twitter, we're SilveradoMXM. And so, it merely remains for us to ride on out. Yee-haw! Yee-haw! ho That was way too good, that. Thank you. Oh, stop it.